You're listening to Fireside Chats Without the Fires podcast, where customer experience enthusiasts are inspired by our weekly CX practitioners and thought leaders who share their insights and knowledge. And now, here are your hosts, Neil Toff and Paul Catherall. Let's get into it. Fireside Chats Without the Fires. Friday, August 28th, and I'm going to steal it from him. You guys know what I'm about to ask, but I'm going to steal it from him because I'm buzzing. we got a hell of a guest today. Paul, I assume you and I are both, what is it? Fill in the blank, dot, dot, dot. We are buzzing, mate. Absolutely buzzing. I think before we introduce him, can I just say this is the first time we've had a fellow Brit and a fellow Aston Villa fan on the podcast. First time ever. Get in. Get in. Get in. Today's episode. CX fandom in our season two, 28th episode. We are so happy to be fans of and to have in our midst, James Dodkins. James, let us hear you. Let us know you're out there. I am here. I'm present. Thank you very much. What an intro. Thank you. We're thrilled to have you. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us. If you don't already know, which I think there's like two of you, as many Aston Villa fans as there are on the planet. No, I'm just kidding. Aston Villa fans. Uh, and I just poked Paul and, and James in the eye. Um, in all seriousness, you probably already know James Dodkins. If you don't, fix that. Follow him on LinkedIn. He's putting out great content. This is a person you want to follow and listen to and observe. Customer experience rock star. But not just customer experience rock star. It has a little icon. If you're watching the video, you'll see what I'm doing here and what James just did a few minutes ago. This is the icon that goes with it. CX evangelist. At Pega Systems, international keynote speaker and hyperfan maker, which is exactly what we're going to be talking about today, CX fandom. And let's just get right into it. James, what is fandom? Why are you talking about it? Why is it important to you? And what the heck does that have to do with CX? Well, it's a good question. Basically, I've got a theory. My theory is that there is probably something we can learn in business from fandoms to turn our customers into fans of our business. So currently, that is what I'm researching. I'm trying to find out whether that theory is true or not. It could be. It might not be true. But i got a sneaking suspicion that it is. So I want to go out there. I want to look at the best that fandom has to offer. I want to interview people. I want to experience it. I want to read about it. I want to immerse myself in it and then try and unpick it, work it back and be like, what can we do in business to emulate that? What can we do in business to turn our customers into fans? And you mentioned something about hyper fans. What I've kind of discovered is there is a fan that sits at the extreme end of fandom and I've coined a term hyper fan. And I think there's a reason that this hyper fan has, you know, come to the real forefront of fandom right now. Do you want to know what I think that reason is? Of course. Well, there is a story. Are you ready for a story? Do tell. All right. So a guy called Edward T. Hall wrote a book ages back. It was actually in 1966. The only reason I remember that is because of the World Cup that I... Only Paul's going to understand that. And only other Brits are probably going to understand. But in 1966, he wrote this book and it was exploring how it is that we make relationships as humans, not just in our personal life, but in the business sense as well. And one of the things that was super interesting from it was understanding this idea of proximity. 
and understanding that the way that we make human connections and relationships mainly is due to proximity. So there's different proximity zones, but the one that tends to make you have the best relationships is one and a half foot. That's your intimate zone. And that's where you start, you make your most close relationships. And of course, throughout the ages, we've pretty much tried to circumvent that. We've tried to get around it. Like cave people would leave messages on walls. Then we'd, you know, send letters to each other and carrier pigeons and ravens and things. And then we'd have radio and we'd have TV and then we'd have film. But the internet has really allowed us to form two-way relationships, to form reciprocal relationships with people from all over the world. People that aren't even on the same continent as you, let alone within that one and a half foot intimate space. And, you know, we're, we're here talking on Zoom or Teams or whatever we're on today. And you are in my one and a half foot intimate space. You're in that zone. We are building a connection right now. So the internet has really allowed that to accelerate. And I'm going I'm to say something now that no one else has ever said. Okay. No other keynote speaker, no other thought leader, nothing this is brand new insight from me right now this second are you ready get in covid has changed things Whoa. i know yeah, yeah. all right you, maybe you have heard that before like one or two million times but it's true for a long time now we have had a hyper depletion of human contact and a hyper reliance on the virtual world and as a result, people's emotions have been hyper-intensified, which means that their reactions to particular events have been hyper-magnified. And it means the stories of those events have been hyper-amplified. So when a good thing happens or when, you know, a chain of good things happens between, you know, a music artist and a fan or a football team and a fan, or a movie franchise and a fan, or a business and a fan, that becomes hyper-amplified too. And that is what I, how I've coined the term, the hyper-fan. I think this is a unique point in history that has allowed us to create a type of fan that has a much more deeper relationship with us than they ever could have done before. I love this. So let, let's, let's hone in a bit on uh, the business part and what it means for consumers and customers. And that's a, I'm, I'm turning this to you now, like explain that a bit more. It seems to me, if I were to take my, my guess on it, you're talking about here's up an opportunity, what consumers feel for the brands that they like the most because of COVID, because of internet, because of digital, because of the ease of transacting, the ease of communicating with and on behalf of or against a brand, is that much easier? It's easy to make a hyper fan of a consumer. But isn't the flip side also true? Yeah, yeah. And I haven't really got a good term for this yet. Um, in my head, I'm calling them hyper haters. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to stick with that term. It's exactly the same, though. Um, because, you know, emotions are high and things are getting magnified. You treat someone badly, they're a lot quicker to become a hater. So it's kind of like if you imagine a scale, right, there's a scale. And on this side, you've got um, the hyper fan. And on this side, you've got the hyper hater. So this is the bottom. This is the top. 
you start sort of neutral with a customer and every interaction you have is either a, a, a plus or a minus, a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And it takes you a little bit closer to either being a fan or a hater. But not all interactions are created equal. Not all moments are created equal. Some have got bigger impacts. Uh, some, you know, have a lot more, you know, bigger impacts if things go wrong or things go right. So it's not always a linear thing. It's not always a like, oh, good interaction, bad interaction. You can have a, you know, just one massively good interaction that brings you really close to become becoming a fan. But you can also have bad ones that will take you further back. So it is that fine line. And it, it's for me, it's realizing that every single interaction matters every moment matters and whether it's positive or negative it's going to take you further to or further away from creating a fan out of a customer so in your work and in the companies that you talk with the people you advise the companies you advise the peers that you talk with what is the recommendation what do we do with what you just explained so as the research is not fully complete, there isn't really a set of recommendations. We're at the point right now where it's it's really just understanding, understanding that fans do exist. And the first step is to understand why they exist, why do fans exist? Um, and I think one of the biggest realizations for me was that customer experience isn't about experience. It's about relationships. The experience is just the means to the end, really, Customer experience management should be customer relationship management. So CEM should be CRM. So if no one's using that acronym, CRM, I think that's pretty good. I think we should all start start using that, make a note of that. Uh, that's obviously a joke because I do understand. Yeah. You, R slash whoosh. No, we anyway, you're right. He's like, yeah, I've got it. It just wasn't funny. Yeah. But, by the way, but, like, pop, but boy, hold on parenthesis here. Like, th this is interesting because at at one point in this industry, before the term customer experience really was ever used or popularized, like, it, it was referred to as CRM. Mm -hmm. It was CRM, what is now considered like a system with capital letters. It refers to usually people think of like software and a platform yep. and Salesforce and that kind. Of, no, but before that, what is now customer experience was considered CRM. I think it was referred to as lowercase C, lowercase R, lowercase M, and that's what you're you're implying, I think. Yeah, I mean, some some people might think of Salesforce, but then other people might think of Pegasystems. But whatever, that's fine. Um, boom, boom, boom. Pegasystems. You can, you can edit that bit out if you can. Um, <laughs> no. Yes, so I'm kind of going a bit retro with it, going a bit old school with it, and saying, like, I, we might have had it right to start with, that it, it is about the entire relationship with the customer, and lots of things go into that. And the way I'm looking at it is it's almost like a hierarchy of things that – if you think about a relationship that you have with another person, a family member, a friend, it could be a relationship with a music artist you like or a band. It could be a relationship with your football team or even a company. All a relationship is, is just a collection of memories. That's all a relationship is. Now, memories, that's just the way that we store emotions. Emotions are created by experiences and experiences are just lots of little moments bundled together. So think of it that way. You take a load of moments, bundle them together, it's an experience. That experience creates emotions, both good and bad. Those emotions get stored as memories. And those memories with another party is your relationship with that party. So if you want to understand the relationship you have with your customers, you first really need to understand the moments you have with them. If you want to influence the relationship you have with your customers, you first need to start to influence the moments that you share with them. This is great. 
um, so many of us harp, we're, we're infatuated, we're obsessive towards metrics, right? We want to know down to the 35th decimal point, how did we do today? How did we do last week? How do we do for the quarter? How do I tell my boss how well or not we're doing? Or maybe sometimes our bosses are telling us how well we're doing because they look at things like CSAT score, net promoter score, maybe one of the advancements of customer effort. Do you believe in those things as barometers? I mean, I believe they exist, yes, but other than that, pretty much no. You think they're bollocks? <laughs> um, well, I mean, I didn't say that, but yeah, pretty much. It's um, There's lots of reasons that I'm not a big fan of those things, and maybe that is for a follow-up episode. Maybe we can do a follow-up episode where we talk about all of that. But for me, thinking that adding more KPIs into your business is going to help you get better. It's kind of like thinking that you're going to grow taller by measuring your height more often. It doesn't correlate. And a lot of times it takes the focus away from where it should be, which is the customer. Look, metrics are important, but they have to align towards something. And for me, that has to be the customer and customer success. Brilliant. You know, that's a, that's a pretty great analogy. I think you said it that just because you're measuring yourself doesn't mean you're going to get much taller if I repeated it correctly. <laughs> it's actually a brilliant way of looking at it. Think how silly we are in our organizations at times. And, I, and I'm certainly guilty of this in my own organization. The latest metric, the latest number, the latest result, the latest up or down. The thing is, that, I mean, to, to take it to a football analogy, you could look at the stats of a football game. Oh, for the Americans watching, I'll translate soccer, which is the Thank wrong you. word. But whatever. now we understand. Got it. Okay, yeah. I didn't know what the heck this guy was talking. Soccer. Thank you. you. You could look at all of it. You could look at how many passes were made, how many passes were completed, how many shots were taken, how many shots were on target, how many tackles were attempted, how many tackles were successful, how many throw-ins there were, how many corners there were, how many saves there were how many left foot kicks were taken how many right foot kicks were taken how many left foot kicks were taken by right footed players how many right foot kicks were taken by left foot but you could literally go to the nth degree and that's what we do in business but there is no amount of analysis of that data that would ever tell you with 100 percent accuracy whether you'd actually won the game or not there's only one measure that would do that and that's the score in business, I think we need to find the score. What is our score? What is that one measure, that one thing that we know means we've delivered success? And I, I really believe that you will never consistently deliver customer success until you consistently measure the things that deliver it. And that isn't how many passes. That isn't how many throw-ins. That's the score. That's how, how many goals you've scored. I love it. So you know, I'm going to put a little bit of a shameless plug in for what Paul and I are doing here on this podcast. I wasn't originally going to do this, but I couldn't agree with you more about the score. By the way, the score for each of our businesses is a unique score. We're each in our business going to have a different definition and manifestation of what the score is. Yeah. As I was listening to you, what I'm thinking about is, okay, is the business successful? And again, that's also defined by each and every business in a unique fashion. For many of us, it may be top line revenue. For many of us, it might be bottom line profitability. For some, it might be the number of customers added. For some, it might be the number of uh, recurring customers are. Lifetime value, there's a million ways to that, that it yeah. manifests itself. But ultimately, it has to translate back to the health of the business. Mm -hmm. Where this is a shameless plug is that Paul and I are going to be creating uh, some unique content around the business of CX 
parentheses, audience. Please join us in that. It's a shameless plug for what we're going to be doing in creating to recast the spotlight on the business of CX. But what a wonderful way that you just described it. The score, capital T, capital S, the score. We can all define what the score is, but as long yeah. as we're focused on the score. Yeah, exactly. And it will be different for every company, but it's down to you to decide what is your score? What is the score for you? What does that mean for you? And it can, it can be different for every company, but there are some things that are probably worth looking at across the board. And this is more advice for like customer experience professionals, because we're kind of rubbish at showing how what we do benefits the company. We're not very good at it. We sit there and we know that doing customer experience is a good thing and we expect everyone else to share that mindset. And then when they don't, we get angry at them. We, we get frustrated that they don't share the same view as us, even though we've not really given them any evidence to show that doing customer experience is a good thing. We can show them all the stats of other companies and other industries, but people really only care about their own company. And within that company, the people that make the decisions tend to only care about one thing, and that's the bottom line, because that's their job. Now, I'm not saying it should be that way. I'm just saying it is that way. That is the that's that's how the world is. So you've got to play the game a little bit. So when you are doing customer experience work, if you can tie it back to these four things I'm about to tell you right now, these four things right here, you're going to put yourself in a much better position to get buy-in and prove that investment in customer experience is a good thing to do. Shall I tell you the four things? Here they are. Audience, take out your pen and paper. <clears throat> These are easy. This isn't mind-blowing stuff. This is So one, acquisition. From doing the stuff that you've done, did you get more customers? Two, wallet share. From doing the stuff that you've done, did it make your current customers spend more of their money with you? Number three, loyalty. From doing the stuff that you've done, are your customers staying with you for longer? And four, cost. Is your cost to serve going down? They're the four things that you got to tie your customer experience efforts to because they're the things that people who hold the budgets and make the big decisions care about. Going, oh, our NPS score's gone up by one. Oh, wow. Okay, fantastic. Well, yeah, but what does that really mean? Nothing at the end of the day. Correct. But being able to say, hey, we've added a million dollars to the bottom line by doing this thing, or we've managed to reduce our costs by 50% by doing this thing. That's that's real. That's real stuff. Real stuff. Those the four or the scores. Yeah. Right? Yeah. As we wind down this session, tell us just a little bit about you. What are you doing for Pegasystems? It's a new, it looks like a new engagement. I'm excited to hear a little bit about it. Yeah, so I'm in an ambassador role for Pega, which is kind of like an evangelist role. I'm going to be evangelizing everything Pega and everything customer experience, traveling around the world, still teaching people about customer experience, teaching mindsets, methodologies, and principles. I'm not really going to be talking about Pega that much. That's not really what my role is about. My role is about, again, helping people learn more about customer experience and then if they want to put it into practice, it just so happens Pega can make that happen. That's pretty good. That's pretty neat. But that's that's not on me. 
I'm just there to inspire, inspire people to think differently, inspire people to create different experiences, inspire people to improve their experiences and inspire people to take action. And that's really one of the big reasons that I joined Pega because before I was doing this stuff, I did my own thing for 10 years and I was traveling around the world and I was inspiring people. But the taking action part was was the hardest part really. Now I'm surrounded by a group of basically geniuses that can help make a lot of these sometimes quite high level, quite abstract customer experience ideas come to life. They actually have the skills, the ability, the software, the processes to make these ideas happen in an organization. So for me, it's like it's like a dream team. Like for me to go out there and inspire people to want to do this stuff and then Pega's there to actually make it happen for them. Wonderful. What is next? Where do we catch you next? Because you, you appear in a lot of different places. Something to look forward to for the audience? How do we find you? That's a good question, actually. Um, yeah. I know I'm going to be speaking at the Call and Contact Center Expo in London in November. I'm going to be speaking at Customer Experience Live in Dubai, in also in November. And then... Then I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember the others. But there's two. Two's good. I literally have had no sleep. I've got a ba new baby, three month old, new baby. And tonight, that was my next like, question, actually, is how how are you doing? Are you sleeping? You you look like you look pretty healthy. Actually, you look you look good. You don't have any bags under your eyes for three. Uh, you know, you, you look good. It's just a bad quality camera, mate. It's um, <laughs> I've got a filter on yeah it's actually he's pretty good he's sleeping through it's our second kid so we sort of knew what to expect he's sleeping through which is really good but not consistently so there's still that anxiety there of oh is tonight going to be a bad one last night was a bad one yeah yeah to your credit it doesn't look like it and it certainly doesn't sound like it oh i gotta i'm tell sure you I, I would have been far more engaging and insightful if i would have had a good night's sleep i'm sure <laughs> Uh, you, you, you've been great. We're, we're winding down here uh, in today's session. I, I want to tell you, so I have followed you, uh, of course, on social media. I didn't really get a chance to have like a, a, a closed dialogue with you until today. Um, I was really curious to know like what's behind the image? What's behind the volume of, uh, of, of the content? I, want to get, I wanted to know the substance. Man, I got to tell you, you got some substance behind you. You've made us think here. You've challenged the thinking. You've created some definitions of things. Uh, this for me was very thought-provoking. I learned from this, and I'm really grateful that you, A, came on, and B, that you so gratefully said that you're going to come on a next time because you said it yourself. We didn't ask you. You said it. You're going to come in, and we'll talk about a secondary topic at some point. Will you come back? Because you're kind of on the hook now. Yeah, there's evidence, isn't there? Damn. Yeah, I guess so. He's on the hook, ladies and gentlemen. Um, He's on the hook. Yeah. So, so sorry. What was what was the question? I I got lost in all the nice things you were saying. No, there was no question. I was just kind of okay. saying I was going to wrap it up, and I was I was kind of like just thanking you and telling you you did a wonderful job, Paul. How else how else Lovely. do we wrap this up with with James? I mean, look, you guys are you're you're both from that country over there on the other side of the pond. It's wonderful. You both like the same football team. Wonderful. But this guy's got some substance behind him. He's got yeah. he's delivering a powerful punch in his message, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And I think what, what I appreciated from James, oh, James, it was great to meet you virtually. You know, you are well within my circle of friends now. That's absolutely fine. So perfect, mate. I think what I learned the most was 
you sometimes come across people on like social media who love the soundbite, right? They throw soundbites out there and that. But mate, what I really appreciated was you had great soundbite, but as Neil said, your quality behind it or your information behind it was superb. I've learned a shed low today. Um, so yeah, thank you so, so much. It's been an absolute pleasure for me. Thank, well, thank you very much. And yes, I, I do love a soundbite. I do, <laughs> quite obviously. Um, but yeah, try and back it up with a little something at least. Yeah, exactly. No, I loved it. Yeah, good stuff. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Neil. Yeah. yeah. James, you want to wrap it up? Give us a one parting thought as we as we wrap the session up. If you've got something, I know I'm putting you on the spot here. Parting thought for the audience. My one parting thought is you are always just one moment away from turning a customer into a fan. So keep that in mind every time you interact with a customer, every time you're building a new experience, every time you're improving a process, you're always just one moment away from turning that customer into a fan. So maybe take some time, sit there, try and pick an interaction that you think maybe has got the biggest impact and ask yourself the question, what could I do today to turn this moment into a memory? Excellent. You heard it. Customer experience rock star. CX evangelist at Pegasystems, international keynote speaker, and hyperfan maker. Today's session, CX fandom, James Dawkins. What a great experience to share with you. Thank you so much for joining us. Audience, as I always close, rate and review us. Rate and review this session. Share with us your feedback. Ask questions. If you love us, tell us. If you hate us, tell us. If you're in the middle, tell us. As James said, there's an opportunity where you have a moment. We want to make you fans. We're doing something wrong. Tell us. If you want something better out of us, tell us. We want to hear it. We care about you. Because as we hear about you and we grow our, our audience, we get to have amazing guests like James Dawkins. Hopefully come back and share some time with us. Once again, James, thank you. Go get some rest. You're on the hook to come back. We will see you in the future. Thank you for joining us. Nice one. Thank you. The episode is over, but the conversation continues. Please rate and review us in Apple Podcasts. Post a comment and subscribe to stay on the leading edge of customer experience. To get in touch or be a guest, follow us on Twitter at ChatsFires or on LinkedIn or in your podcast repository of choice. Thank you.